Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. I'll tell you what, Alvin, more than ever before, I need that deck of yeah. What's cracking? I am Jim Rome. That is the Monday deck of yeah because we are coming to you live from Las Vegas. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, oh, how bitching is that? Check that out. There's the stadium. If you're listening on the radio, we are live, but we are not on Radio Row where I typically am. For our Super Bowl coverage, we have taken this thing to the strip. We are live from the fountains of the Bellagio. From the Bellagio Resort and Casino, I've got an absolutely incredible set. We are right on the strip. Now, if you're watching on CBS Sports Network, you can see it. It is raining, but it's good. It's all good. It feels great. Got a tremendous crew out here. In fact, the crew that I'm used to working with. And if you know about the Super Bowl week, you know we have a whole bunch of guests that are coming through. Here's what I want to do. Hey, what's going on? There's Tommy off to the side. What up, yo? What I want to do is give you your telephone number. We are toll free. You know how Radio Row works, except that it's not the row. How Super Bowl week works is we are locked top to bottom with guests, but things do fall out, so I want to make sure you're ready. I would love to have your input on certain things. Telephone number is toll-free, 1-800-636-8686. If you want to hit me up on the X, hit me up at Jim Rome. If you want to email me, email me at Rome, R-O-M-E, at Habitate.com. So the setup is really interesting. We are not on the row with everybody else, but we are going to have exposure from the row. We will have guests on the row, and we'll get as many people as we possibly can to join us here on the set by the Bellagio. We're going to talk basketball. We're going to talk football. We're going to get you ready for the entire week. And I'll give you my pick. Not just yet, but I'll give you my pick. Both teams have already arrived. You've got a great matchup. I'm going to start off with a conversation about UNLV basketball. Kevin Kruger is standing by. He's going to join me momentarily. But this is the way the week is setting up. So, clones, what's up? How you feeling? I want you to jump in and hit me up. Other guests today, Monday, as Monday goes, it's actually a really good week. We've got a number of guests that are coming in. Let me tell you about them really quickly. They would include the following. Thomas Dimitrov and Eric Eager. They will be here at the Bellagio. Mike Golick Jr. is going to stop on by. Mike Sando from The Athletic is going to stop on by. Mike Pritchard will be here. Solomon Wilcox will be here. I was trying to get Lincoln Riley on the set, but if you're in L.A., you know the weather is really, really bad right now. He was unable to make the trip, but we're going to try and set him up via Zoom. So as Mondays go, that's a really strong guest day. And I'm looking for your input, too. Why don't we start with our first guest? I will be here the entire week. 1-800-636-8686. So right off the very top, and I'm going to tell you more about this, we are joined right now by the head basketball coach at UNLV. He is in his third season at his alma mater. He won 18 games two years ago. He won 19 games last year. The running Rebs are 12-9 this year. They're 5-4 and four in Mountain West play. They've won three straight. They take on New Mexico on Saturday. We are joined by Kevin Kruger. Kevin? My man, it's great to see you. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Great to see you. Thanks for having me on. Listen, I appreciate that. This is kind of a big ask on my part for you to start the week off and do so in the rain. For those of the people who don't understand, I mean, Vegas is the desert. The weather generally is great, but this will happen, right? This will happen from time to time. And, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that it's Super Bowl week. But, uh, no, this, yeah, we'll get a little bit of rain here and there. All right, so you've been here for years, having played your ball at UNLV. You're now the head coach. You know this town knows how to accommodate major events. We know this. It doesn't get much bigger than the Super Bowl itself. How hyped is Vegas to be the host city of Super Bowl 58? And what's the vibe feel like to you so far? 
I think you just said it, uh, you know, perfectly. It's uh, it's kind of almost been like a buildup, you know, with, with Formula One coming, you know, All-Star game a, a handful of years ago. Of course, uh, the Knights, the Aces being here, the Raiders moving here. It's kind of been, because like you said, it doesn't get bigger than the Super Bowl when you talk about American sports. And uh, I think, uh, like you said, the infrastructure is great. The vibe has been great. I think people are excited for it. Um, unfortunately, it's raining a little bit today, but um, the, 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 the city is just excited and it's as you know, it's a great place to be. It's just a little bit of rain. Everybody's here to have fun. Everybody's here to party. They will overcome. We're joined by UNLV basketball coach Kevin Kruger. So, Kevin, turning to the program, you inherited a team that won just a dozen games before you took over. I mentioned the success you've had in recent years. How do you feel about the team overall at this stage of the season? I think the guys are doing a great job. Um, we, you know, Jalen Hill was a transfer, came in from Oklahoma. Uh, broke his wrist, came back from a broken wrist, and tore his ACL. So he said, you know, they've, they've dealt with kind of older leaders going through injuries. Justin Webster with a severe ankle sprain, been out a while, going to be out a little while. So the guys have just really banded together. They've done really well. Um, you know, the record being 12-9, and nine, but, uh, but winning three in a row is something to be proud of in this conference. And uh, another tough one at New Mexico Saturday. But um, the, guys are, the guys are working hard. They love, they love going to the gym. They love playing hard. They play the game the right way. So it, it's been a fun year, even though there's been some adversity along the way. New Mexico is always a tough trip. It's always been like that. You know, it's simple, but it's not easy, right? It's simple in the sense that if you have guys that buy into your process and your culture and they play for one another, chances for success are much higher. What kind of marks do you give this group in that regard? Uh, a plus. Uh, absolutely. They, they, they love each other. They care about each other. Uh, they, they do their best to play the game the right way um, for each other, be on the same page as the coaching staff and vice versa. And so without a doubt, they've, they've gotten an A-plus so far this year. And, and, and that's why we're excited about the, the second half of conference. We're talking to Kevin Kruger, UNLV head basketball coach. Starting off our Super Bowl coverage, you've got five guys, five guys averaging double figures for the majority of the season. Is this one of the most balanced teams you've ever had? Oh, without a doubt. You know, year one, uh, Bryce Hamilton, who's a gifted scorer, and we were very fortunate to, to retain um, I, think, I believe he was at almost a 24-point mark. Uh, last year with E.J. Harkless, it was right around 20. Um, this year, has been, it's been a much more balanced attack. Uh, our offensive efficiency is up, and, uh, and we've got, we're getting better possessions, I think, throughout the entirety of games. And, and the offense has continued to get better as the year has gone on, and I think it, that's a, you know, just a byproduct of having a balanced scoring attack and guys that play for each other. We're talking to Kevin Kruger, of course, your father, he, he, a legend on himself, right? Lon, Lon was a legendary coach, continued to coach into his late 60s. I'm curious, how is your dad doing these days? You used to love talking to him on this program. How is he doing these days, and what kind of an impact did he have on you as both a coach and a person? Um, well, obviously, him and my mom, huge impact. Uh, you know, everything I do, every decision make, I think I feel that there's, you know, either their advice or their, uh, their kind of voice in my head, you know, and just uh, being raised by them and being raised in that environment. But... Uh, I think uh, to, if you ask how they're doing right now, I bet they're about as stressed as they've ever been in, in their life. Uh, you know, they thought that they'd be more relaxed and have some time off when he retired. But, you know, now he's finally learning what it's like to be on the other side, you know, as, as a family member watching, watching your, uh, your family member out there coaching and going through the ups and downs of seasons. But, no, he's a, he's a great – he's been my best friend for a long time. We've, I bounce basketball ideas off him as much as I possibly can. He's around the guys. He's around the program. Um, he's a great grandfather, uh, you know, to my to my two girls and my, our newborn son. So, 
um, we're, we're extremely lucky and extremely blessed for him and my mom to be around. Kevin, how backwards is that right now? I mean, the guy put so much into it and was such a legend for so long, but he's more stressed now than he's ever been, man. This thing's inverted. This thing's totally backwards, but I kind of understand it. On a much smaller level, I exhibited or experienced more stress watching our two sons play high school baseball than this or anything else in my career. Is it just a matter of he doesn't have control? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, he's a, he's a type A. He's an alpha, and it's, it's, it's a... It's one of those things where, you know, as a fan, you know, your, your stress level is way higher. When you're in it every day, you kind of feel some optimism always, you know, because you have your hands in it. You have control of certain things. You're, you're a part of the process. And I think when, you, when you're one step removed like he is or a parent or a fan, uh, the, the stress level goes up. Let me ask you something. He coached into his late 60s. Andy Reid has a chance to win a Super Bowl at 65. How do you explain elite coaches like this? How do they maintain their level of energy and their connection to the game even after all this time? Yeah, just watching his career, I think, uh, you know, and then having to, the opportunity to also work for him at Oklahoma, uh, I think he, just, he was just elite at the time management. You know, what, what needs to be you focused on what what is not a big deal what's a big deal what needs to be addressed or not be addressed uh, as much and you know he always said you're going to be good at what you put your time into and um and i think you know as these coaches as we see these, these coaches these successful coaches hall of fame coaches they you know they they have a kind of a calm temperament i think they're just they're they're secure and confident and in the work they put in throughout the week uh, shows up on game day it's interesting i work for my father he fired me what was it like working <laughs> for your dad uh, well, I got out of there before he had the opportunty to fire me. Or at least, you know, or at least that's a, well, the that's the story. That's got to be the go. coaching genes, right, man? <laughs> Stay one step ahead of the mob, one step ahead yeah. of the posse. No, it was great. I mean, I got to spend time with him. Um, you know, like, when you leave high school, you're never sure how much time you're going to spend with family again. Uh, I had the opportunity to play for him here at Vegas uh, for a year, and then had the opportunity to work with him as a as a coach and learn from him and and be with him every day. Um, instead of just being in the same city and then now you know being retired him being retired I guess been more time with him so I'm just, I'm just happy and lucky and fortunate that I get to see my parents as much as I do we're talking to Kevin Kruger for a few more moments he's starting off our Super Bowl coverage he is the head basketball coach at UNLV you mentioned you had a chance to play here you know I don't know that there's any modern team in college hoops that have the same aura surrounding those teams that came before you and I know because I was always in the Big West I went to UC Santa Barbara I remember these guys coming into our building man they were like rock stars Larry Johnson Greg Anthony Stacy Ogman Anderson Hunt and the rest absolute rock stars you obviously want to put your own imprint on your program so how do you balance those two things because you definitely want to respect the guys who came before you well, absolutely, and as much as you respect them, you appreciate them. Um, you know, because UNLV is, let, let's not kid ourselves, UNLV is a national brand because of the Larry Johnsons and the Stacey Ogmans, Anderson, uh, Freddie Banks. I mean, you can go all the way back to the 77, the first Final Four team. You know, most Scurry. Most Scurry, Gondo, uh, you know, Robert Smith. Uh, I mean, it's just a history of, of, of great basketball players, great basketball. And, yeah, I mean, those guys, they're still like the Beatles when they walk through Vegas. I Are mean, they you, still? Oh, today. of course, of course. And But uh, and UNLV basketball is a... As a whole, it's still, you know, it's, it's a small town feel. Um, it's a community that loves UNLV and supports UNLV. So UNLV athletes that walk around town, they're going to get recognized and noticed by locals. And, uh, and that's what makes it a great place to be, great job, great team, and, um, and a fun place to work at because um, the support and the love for UNLV basketball is there. So quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. 
Now, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody, the entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? You know, it's great to see. I, I'm paraphrasing now, but I had a conversation with Larry Johnson not long ago, and I said something to the effect of, hey, Larry, remember when the UCSB Gauchos used to kick your ass routinely? And he's like, no. No, I don't remember that. I'm like, that's how I remember it. He's like, I don't remember it like that. But they were rock stars. So you're all hoops at the moment. I understand this, but everybody's got an opinion on the Super Bowl itself. Have you thought much about the game? Which way are you leaning for Sunday? Um, yeah, like you said, we're, we're obviously full in on basketball right now. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of Krugers from Kansas. Um, I mean, all of them, actually. So, uh, By a lot, you mean yeah, all? Yeah, by a lot, I mean all. And, uh, you know, just for the family reunion sake, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for the Chiefs and uh, root for the Chiefs and because uh, I know i got a bunch of cousins and uncles and aunts that follow the Chiefs. But, I, I, as always, you know, just hope for a good game. I know how this week goes. If you have lots of Krugers in that area, are they coming to the game, and are they hitting you up for places to stay, recommendations, and most of all, tickets to the game? Nope, have not been hit Good. up for tickets yet, and, uh, but I'm, I'm sure there will be a handful of them out in this part. And uh, you know, they've, they've been out enough now with us being out here with my dad's tenure and then now mine, so uh, they know where to go. All right, so before I let you go, one thought about New Mexico. I mentioned that's never an easy place to play or an easy place to go up, a team to go up against. Looking at them on film, what do they do best and what are your biggest concerns? Uh, just incredibly athletic and uh, they play incredibly hard. Uh, again, another team in the Mountain West, I think, that plays the basketball the right way. They, they respect the game they, and they play it hard and they know that good things will happen by doing so. And then, of course, when you play in the pit, you got to watch out for Snake. <laughs> have to. That is a tough place. Kevin, appreciate you very much. I know this was not an easy thing to do. You made it over to the Strip. You started off our week of Super Bowl coverage in the rain. Appreciate you very much. Thanks no, for thank doing you. it. Thank you. Thank you. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the code ROAM. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with the code Rome. The crown is yours. You do have to be present in a state where it's lawful to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-889-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age, varies by jurisdiction, 
Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Let me run this down quickly. Thomas spent 13 years as the GM of the Atlanta Falcons. He was a two-time NFL Executive of the Year. He won two Super Bowls while working for the Pats. Eric is the VP of Research and Development for Sumer. He's a former pro football focused executive. He played his college ball at Minnesota State University. He received a PhD in applied mathematics from Nebraska. Fellas, it's good to see you both. What's going on? Happy to be. What are we, this is awesome. Out How in good the is rain this, right? in Vegas. Right? I love it. What a, love what, a, what a view here. It gets no better than this. We've got some heat. We've got the cover over us. Thomas, let me start for you or with you. For those who don't know, exactly what is Sumer Sports and how do analytics and data solutions that you help NFL teams with, how does it benefit them? Break it down for me. What does the company do? So it's a, it's a roster optimization tool at the, at the core. We're growing every day. We're, we're bringing in new opportunities. We're bringing in outrageously smart people like Eric that I can sit down with and talk about the next wave of, of the evolution of the NFL, right? Utilizing data. So subjective along with objective is huge. We can't just go to the owners anymore and say, I feel it in my gut. This is what we should do. The owners, like Arthur Blank and people like that, are saying, wait a minute. There's a lot more to this. There are a lot more, there's a lot more data to tap into to make sound, solid, academic decisions. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean black box. It means man and machine for us. And it's something, of course, Eric can talk a lot about. All right, so Eric, as an example, that's a great start right there. But as an example, I want to get your thoughts on Dan Campbell's aggressive decision-making in the second half of the NFC Championship game because this is what we're talking about, right? Generally, do you think that his decision-making is based in analytics or is it more of just kind of a mindset of, man, I believe in my guys. Let's freaking go. Yes. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, when you look that's, at it. Like, that's my joke, man. I use that all the time. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we measured it at Sumer. We have a, a model where we measured that Dan Campbell added a win to the Detroit Lions, right? You think about a franchise that went 32 years without a playoff win. You bring a guy in. He's picking top 10 a few years in a row. How can you get all the way to the NFC Championship game? You have a team who's probably the best team in the NFL on the ropes. It's because you're taking four downs when the whole rest of the league is taking three. And, it, and additionally, like, when you have a guy who's a former NFL tight end, he's you know, the big muscular guy, and he's looking at his team and saying, I'd rather have you get two yards than my kicker kick a 47-yard field goal. I think that you you blend those two things, as Thomas said, you know, the sort of the brawn with the brain, and there are really smart people who are working for the Lions. It's not Dan Campbell punching a calculator on the sideline. It's him, you know, sort of watching the games, watching the flow, sort of understanding why they're going for it. And, and as Thomas said, like, the more smart people you can get in those buildings, they, they give it to the football people, and the football people are – People like me are not coaching, right? It's Dan Campbell can give up better message, and the math can obviously help him win better. So, Thomas, where do you come out on that? For instance, what he does, how he acts, the culture he built, that's why they are where they are. There's no getting around that. He's done an amazing job, but do you want to have that mindset in every single critical moment of every single critical game? No, not every. You want the combination. In today's world, you want to make sure that whoever's in that building, the GM, Brad Holmes, who's done a heck of a job, job. right? Love what he's doing along with a head coach. You have a partnership, and you know we're football at the core. We go toe-to-toe with anyone. You know he believes that. But now let's fold in the right, again, the right data and the right understanding of marrying the two. To me, it's unstoppable. You have to do that in today's world. 
in today's NFL for sure. All right, so Thomas, what about the Falcons? You, of course, worked with Arthur Blank for a long time. You've won Super Bowls with Bill Belichick. I think most of us naively assumed that when Bill left the Patriots that he would conduct the interviews and people would not interview him. So when he ends up on Arthur Blank's yacht, you think, all right, that's a done deal. But then he gets off the boat, and then there's a second interview, and then he doesn't even get the job. Why do you think the Falcons went with Raheem Morris over Bill, and do you think it was the right choice? So interestingly enough, I know that, that, that Bill and Arthur hit it off very, very well. We know that, right? And there was a lot of time spent together. I know both men very well as far as working in, in situations. I think they would have worked very well together. I think in the end, there, there was something inside the organization. And you know, Bill and all, all rights, Bill should have be the czar. He should come in and have full control. And I'm not one that wants general managers to be run over by head coaches. The reality is if there's someone you do that with, it's Bill Belichick, wherever you are with that, right? To me, one of the very best coaches to ever coach this league. To me, it is unbelievable that the league has not taken the opportunity that no head coach, or excuse me, no owner and no GM will ever have an opportunity to do in the future. You, this doesn't come around every... I mean, I know I'm being a little no, bit expanded. No, no, the GOAT came free. It the came GOAT free. was a free agent. <laughs> he didn't just retire like he normally would. He had an opportunity. I, I laughed as you let in on that on the interview. Bill put a suit on and sat across from Terry Fontenot. No, no offense to Terry Fontenot. He, did he cut the sleeves off the suit? <laughs> he might have, but I mean, look, I, to do that, Arthur probably said, and I, I don't know... Hey, can you show this group respect? And he did. And there, and again, I think there is no one out there that in the next two or three years can his, will bring you closer to winning a Super Bowl than Bill Belichick. That's what I believe in general. I believe that for anyone. Not a, take a side or aside from the Falcons. There are other teams out there. The fact that he is unemployed right now or not coaching is unfathomable. Huh. Thomas Dimitrov joining us, Eric Eager as well. Eric, let me ask you this. You recently made a really interesting analogy, I thought, as it relates to Belichick and the NBA. You suggested that if Bill ends up in TV next year and somebody's struggling, they might bring in Bill the way Milwaukee brought in Doc Rivers. Given the autonomy that Bill is accustomed to, how plausible is that? Could you see that happening? I think I think that that would be the perfect case, right? Like in the offseason right now, it's a weird thing. I, I know Thomas and I disagree on this a little bit, but the kind of team that would be barren enough where Belichick would go would probably not be good enough for him to want to win the you know win enough games to catch Don Shula. And a team like the Falcons, who's good enough for him to win games with, probably has holdovers that might be resistant to the power he wants. A team like you know I'm not going to name names, but you know a team that maybe why not you know. Philadelphia, Dallas, Jacksonville, teams Thank like you. that who are maybe struggling, you know, four weeks into the season with with talent, right? That they might be desperate enough to give Bill Belichick what he wants. And I think he's probably smart to to, you know, lean into the Falcons here, not necessarily get the job, and back off a little bit and wait for desperation, because desperation, of course, uh, I think will you know play to his favor next September or October. You know, I wonder, it seems kind of unfathomable to use your word that he doesn't have a gig right now. I wonder how many people want to bring him in just to pick his brain, just to talk to him. Like, I've got Bill in the building. I'm going to talk to this guy for five or six hours. I mean, that's a goldmine in and of itself, but it doesn't mean they want to hire him. He is a situational mastermind. You, you can see a lot of good coaches around the league who just don't have the grasp of in, you know, preparing during the week, on game day, during the, the halftime. Look, we want to lead into to 16, 17 Super Bowl. Right. At halftime, he goes in against us, comes back out, ends up kicking our butts, right? 
He is special that way, and you're exactly right. To be able to tap in is unbelievable. Thomas, is Dan Quinn one of those guys? And how do you think he'll do getting his second opportunity? I'm sure analytically you guys can break this down. I've seen a lot of coaches get a second chance, and it has not gone well at all. He's getting another chance. Do you think he will do well with the commanders? How do you like that fit? I like the fit. I think he goes in there with Adam Peters, a first-time general manager, usually first-time general managers, don't back to want a power guy in there. They've been working all their life to have the, the number one seat. Dan comes in as an experienced guy who is really good at collaboration. He's a great partner as a GM head coach. In the league, he is that guy. He loves personnel. He'll sit side by side with Adam Peters and they'll work to create the best situation there. I think it's a no-brainer there. Quite honestly, I'm happy that, that Detroit ended up the way it did and Ben Johnson goes back because I think this is better for Adam Peters. I think they can grow together, and I'm excited for Dan to get another op. So, Eric, what about Mike Vrabel? I'm a big Mike Vrabel guy, but I'm just a talking head. Like, I, I'm not playing for him. I'm not working with him. I love the guy. Why do you think he got shut out in this cycle? Yeah, I mean, he was a guy in 2021. They got the one seed in the AFC playing the most players from a roster standpoint in NFL history with COVID and injuries and everything. He's been able to, you know, get more out of a roster than anybody. I think when you look at how it went down with John Robinson in 2022, he gets Rand Carthon in the building. Reports are they didn't get along. I think when you don't get along with two consecutive general managers, I think that ends up being, I think, a red flag when you look at so many young executives in the league trying to pair with a, a powerful head coach. It's a red flag for many, and it, it goes back to the Belichick thing, too, where you're trying to build a young executive's career. There's always going to be a little bit in the owner's ear from that person. Hey, I don't necessarily want to bring that guy in because it's going to kind of take away from my worldview right. and, it, and its power. And I think that that's where, where Rabel ran into some issues. Hmm. Thomas, what about the Super Bowl itself? Let's shift to that. You know Kyle Shanahan as well as anybody from your time with him in Atlanta. There's no question. He's got a unique ability to scheme and play call. He's a genius football mind. But do you feel like he needs to win this one to validate that stamp as, like, the brightest offensive mind in the game? How yeah. badly does Kyle need this? 100%. I, look, he does a great job, similar to Bill. They know how to use their personnel. They know their schemes better than anyone. They are genius like both. I only uh, parallel the both. But, but Kyle needs to win this game. We were there. We knew, we knew how important it was back in 16 when we lost. Went run, 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 kick the damn ball. That aside, he is one of the guys, Jim, I, I had said this. If I were ever to be brought back into the NFL – he would be a guy that I would knock on the door to see if I could trade for him as a coach. I believe that much in him as a football coach, but he needs to win this game. Do you think he will? Um, I hope so. <laughs> Is that the right thing to say? I'm sorry. That's bad. <laughs> it's something. It's something. <laughs> Not a lot. You hope so. Yeah. You hope so, but you don't think so. No. Or you I, okay. hope so, and I feel pretty good about it. I, no, I think he will. I think this will be his time. I'm going to settle for your first answer, I think. I hope so. <laughs> Eric, what do you think? Like, what are some of the matchups that you're really looking forward to in this game? I, I mean, when you look at it, I think the Chiefs have to stack the box, and they have to trust those cornerbacks, right? When you look at Brett Veach, the last three drafts have drafted eight starters on that defense, six in 2022. That's all the way back to the Tyreek Hill trade. You look at their offense struggling so much, it's because they traded Tyreek Hill. They put players in that secondary, three of those corners, Trent McDuffie and All-Pro, and then two kind of depth guys back there. You know, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, they're going to have to trust those corners because they have to play tighter boxes against Christian McCaffrey. The run defense has been bottom half of the league all year. The series success all has been in the bottom half. They've been great covering. The Baltimore Ravens let them off the hook in the AFC Championship game. Six running back runs. The 49ers are not going to do that. They're going to run the football with McCaffrey, and the, the 
Chiefs have to stop that. They have to, you know, trust their corners on the outside against great receivers. That's the that's the biggest matchup in the game. Thomas, what do you make of that? that? That's such a key point to me. They ran it six times. The Ravens got away from doing what they do best, running the football. Did they panic, or do you think that was their game plan? What happened to them that day? I'm surprised because I thought they were going to just run, 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 and they obviously didn't. I Sometimes you get caught up in that, right? In the moment, your head coach, and you're up there as a GM, you're like, Wait a minute, I thought that's what we planned on. Can I not get on the phone and, and call down? You can't, of course, but I just feel like they got away from it because that's a hell of a program there in my mind. All right, so let me ask you this. Your team at Sumer has put together a free big game breakdown with stats and winning edges. Where can people who want that kind of data, unique, detailed analysis, where can they get it? Sumersports.com. You can get our free uh, big game breakdown here. 41 pages, prop bets, breakdowns, you know, analysis, everything you want to break down the big game. Uh, on Sunday. All right, Eric, how do you see that game going? Ultimately, what do you think it comes down to, and how do you see that game going? To me, it, it comes down to Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan's a brilliant head coach, 10 out of 10 when it comes to play design. Andy Reid's gotten a lot better. He's gotten over the hump, winning Super Bowls, clock management, fourth down decisions. That's where Kyle Shanahan has always kind of been an issue. If he can get over that and make the, you know, make the key decisions at end of games, they can win this football game against the Chiefs. I don't know, Thomas. Like, where do you come out on this? It's, I've been betting against Patrick Mahomes and points, thinking that I'm so <laughs> smart, and I keep getting worked. I mean, how many times can you go against this guy? How much of it comes down to just the fact that it's Patrick Mahomes? Full stop, period. It's Patrick Mahomes, unbelievably versatile. You just never know on every side of, the, uh, every side of any play that he's going to come to the table. I mean, how do you bet against him? It's pretty darn tough. All right, but, but they're not what they used to be. How impressed are you with the way they kind of reinvented themselves on the fly? I am because middle of the season, I was as mad as everyone about Taylor Swift. Not about Taylor Swift herself, but just about the distractions. I'm thinking, wow, guys, you guys have so much special elements here. Where are you going with this? Is this taking you into to another spot? All the commercials, every time I turned around, I see, you know, whatever. I see the, all this stuff going on. I'm thinking, that's not how I was raised in the Patriot paradigm, right? You stay focused. This is a different world in the NFL. The fact that they were able to come back after all that, to me, is really impressive. Well, what about that paradigm? Does that, you know, not to be obnoxious, but yeah. does that paradigm no longer work? I mean, the guy uh, behind the paradigm is out of work right now. It's, no, it's a good point. It, maybe it doesn't. In today's world, you've got to move fast. You know, that's what people are expecting. You have to be able to be malleable, I guess, and function. Who knows? Who knows if it's working but anymore? They, they've gotten back to the, par- the Patriot way, though. In the regular season, among playoff teams, they were the worst in penalty differential, worst in turnover differential. Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs has not even thrown an interceptable ball. They haven't even thrown a ball in harm's way, and they haven't had a penalty in the first quarter of any of their playoff games so far this year. So they've gotten better at just eliminating mistakes and allowing their defense to, to carry them uh, in ways that they haven't in the previous two Super Bowl seasons. I mean, Eric, what do the analytics say about throwing the switch? I thought common sense told you you can't throw the switch, <laughs> but they're a very different team now than they were well, during the regular season. We talked about the NBA earlier. This is the LeBron Cavs, right, where you look at all the analytics and all the, the sports books would get the – the Cavs wrong in the playoffs because the regular season numbers, they win 50 games, 48 games, you know, 56 games in the playoffs. They, you know, LeBron would turn on a different switch. Maybe that's who Patrick Mahomes is. Maybe so. Thomas Dimitrov and Eric Eager, like I said, it is becoming something of a tradition. I appreciate both you guys braving the elements, coming by. Great to see you both. Thanks so much. Thanks, Rob. Good to see you, brother. My man. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, 
card. You have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. He is Mike Golick Jr. Mike, it is great to see you, dude. How you feeling? Honored to be with you. Really excited and uh, really rolled out the red carpet here. You didn't have to do the whole fountain for me here. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, dude, dude, they did do that for you. That's not for me because that was not happening until you showed up. Look at that, man. We get the whole show. I love it. Listen, let me start off with this. You and I were talking off the air about how different the business is right now. What have the last few years been like for you personally since you bet on yourself and you left ESPN? Uh, it's been an exciting challenge. Uh, we all know a place like ESPN, you know, ESPN, CBS, Fox, NBCs, these titans of the industry that have been around for so long. There's a lot of security that comes with that. And for me, it was an exciting chance, first and foremost, you know, to be a part of where a lot of this is going. We've seen sports betting and the gambling side of this industry start to be more and more center stage. We're doing the Super Bowl in Vegas, for God's sake. And hey, can we stop on that for a minute? Yeah. I mean, it was not that long ago that it was so taboo. Oh. It was so taboo. Never mind there's a franchise here. Never mind that there is the actual game here. How wild is it that you and I sit here on the strip talking about the game that's going to be played here? Wasn't it Tony Romo that wasn't allowed to right. go and be at the fantasy football <laughs> convention or whatever it was? So it's nice that everybody sort of I don't know, looked around and realized, like, all right, we're not actually that far apart. It's just a different way to talk about the same thing that we've been discussing. We got a few different numbers. We got a few different terms we're still talking and analyzing ball the same way and so to get to try and be a part of that as it's on the way up to have this great creative platform here to get to do it with dad again he and I got to do the show together at ESPN for a little while and now you know weren't sure if we'd ever get that opportunity again and so them giving us that chance and being able to kind of help build this whole thing in a way that we think can be really successful and be a valuable part of what everyone's got going on and covering this great sport and all the sports. It's been a ton of fun. Michael Jr. joining me on the set here in Vegas. You mentioned your father. I had Kevin Kruger on the show to start the program. So we got into this notion of family business, right? Yeah. So his dad is a legendary coach. Your father, a legendary player. I work for my family business. My dad was a legend in his little family business. And then he fired my ass. I'm curious, what's it like <laughs> working with your dad? It could be the best thing ever or maybe not so. You know what? It really has been, and I think from my standpoint, especially being on air with Dad so much, when I was young and first getting into the industry and didn't know what I didn't know, I didn't realize, you know how when they talk about LeBron James playing with his teammates and he goes around when he meets a new group of teammates and he asks them, hey, where do you want the ball on this particular pass? Where do you want this for me to set you up for the right shot? I had someone who was on air with me who had literally wiped my butt at a different point in my life, knew me as well or better as anyone's going to know me, and could always set me up in the right way to be successful early on when I'm trying to do that. And so I got such a great foundation because of that. I got to pick his brain on a lot of that the same way I did when I was a high school football player and a college football player trying to figure out and navigate places that he had already been to. I had the perfect guide for that. And then when we got to start doing it with each other, I got to obviously be a little bit of a thorn in his side. You can't be the son on air with your dad and not needle him a little bit and think you know better. All right, so I'm curious, like, what's the dynamic like? Like, I have a son who's going to get into the business, and he very clearly, he never tells anybody who his old man is because he doesn't want to be judged by that. He wants to be judged on his own merit, but also he knows at the same time that, hey, it can open a door or two. You'd be pretty foolish not to take advantage of it. It's one thing for your father to play in the NFL. It's another for you to have the 
same exact name as your yeah. father who played in the NFL. So was that the best thing ever growing up? Or at times, was that maybe not the best thing? Uh, you know what? I'd say the positives always far outweighed the negatives. And so much of that's a testament to what dad built for himself in this industry and his reputation and how well thought of he is that I got a lot of that carryover. Now, I also got, especially in early Twitter, a lot of people thinking I was him online. So when he would have a bad take, I would get cursed out in my mentions because of him. And we had to have a little bit of talk about him being smarter on air. But uh, no, in, in general, he's putting you in bad spots. Yeah, dude. come on, man. You're, you're wrecking my feed, Pop. Listen, I'm trying to build the following. Your here. crappy takes are jacking up my feed, Pop. You're ruining the algorithm, Level Dad. Up, man. Exactly. Uh, you're jacking with the algorithms. That's actually funny. It, right? is, it is. But no, no. At, at every level whether it was as a player or now as a broadcaster. My foot did get in the door in this industry 100% because of my dad. I am never going to lie about that because it would be disrespectful to everybody else, people who might have lost out in an opportunity because of that. And all I could do, and this was the mindset, my dad's the son of a bricklayer. It was the mindset that got instilled in all of us, which is you go in and you show people how much you care by how you work. And that's always just been the goal. We're talking to Mike Golick Jr. I love that analogy. Now, your family is Notre Dame royalty. You, your dad, your Uncle Bob, all Irish alums. I'd love to get your thoughts on Sam Hartman. How good of a pro do you think he's going to be, and how deep is this quarterback class? It's a very deep class, and I was thinking about this the other day. When you look at, obviously, this Super Bowl, Brock Purdy is such a big headline. A guy who started 46 straight games to finish off his Iowa State career wasn't the most traitsy quarterback, and you hear so often in the NFL, we draft traits, not production. We're looking for what you're going to be, not what you've been. But for a quarterback like him, for a guy like Aiden O'Connell out here in Las Vegas, another guy, accomplished passer coming out of Purdue in college, wasn't the most traitsy guy but got on the field and all of a sudden was able to make things happen. I wondered if that would start to make teams go, hey, maybe as we get to the later rounds, yeah, we might not be able to justify this guy in the first three rounds, but all of a sudden you get a guy who's got so much veteran experience, who's going to come in with a high floor and be able to manage all the different machinations of an offense, manage all the attention that comes with being in this position and be able to weather the storm. And Sam would certainly be a guy that checks those boxes because he's seen and been a part of so much football. He's played at such a high level now in multiple offenses. And so I do think that's something that's going to be in a world where so many teams have built up these great rosters around the quarterback, something that might have more value going forward. Well, certainly Brock Purdy is the beneficiary of that. And like, I'm one of those guys, I'm on the side of Brock Purdy is a really good player. This guy is not just some kind of hack that they stuck in this great system. You, if that were the case, anybody could do it. And I don't think that everybody can do what he can do. So why don't you just weigh in on that tired argument? Are we talking about a system quarterback? Or are we talking about a special player? Or maybe something in between? I think we're talking about a player who comes in with so much moxie and composure already. I think it's really been under talked about. How big about. is that? How big is that in a huddle and to get your veteran teammates respect? You Just the way it. you carry yourself. You saw it from Nick Bosa, that soundbite that went viral after the last game where Nick asked him, did you always believe you were going to be this good? Nick said, I was the number two overall pick and I had doubts. How are you this put together? I can tell you that absolutely emanated. When I was at Notre Dame, I was a fifth-year senior on a team that went 12-0, and and we had a redshirt freshman quarterback named Edford Golson who was there. And on the sideline, we would always talk about when Ev would come over to us in between series and address the O-line, he was always so calm. He was always so steady. And so it's like, all right, even though this guy's young, He's not phased by this moment. It's not too big for him. And so that goes, okay, we can calm down and just focus on what we have to do. We don't have to play above and beyond to offset this.
this guy. And even though this roster's got so many great pieces around him, they all look at their quarterback and go, all right, he, he's going to be ready. He's going to be good and hold up his end, and so we don't have to press. Mike Gold Jr. is my guest live here in Vegas. Hey, Mike, if Nick Bosa had doubts, if Nick Bosa fought his confidence, what the hell kind of chance do any of us have? <laughs> I was going to say, if I looked like that, I <laughs> promise the last thing I would lack is confidence. The only thing I would lack is a shirt at any time. I, dude, I wouldn't even own a shirt. Wouldn't why, own why a bother? shirt. I'd have the shortest shorts imaginable. You'd see me walking out here in this freezing cold here birthday suit just letting everybody know so if you're right that's the ultimate reminder though of how incredibly mental this sport is this gladiator sport still comes down to so much of that space between your ears in order for these guys to be successful did you train that when you played I mean we know how big it is right now yep. did you train that when you played? in other words like would you go into the mental gym and work that muscle like you would any other gym and any other muscle oh yeah I, I mean back then sports psychology was a little bit more burgeoning at that point it wasn't quite as ubiquitous as it is now but we had a sports psychologist we worked with at Notre Dame the idea of mental reps for me a guy that was a backup for a lot of my time before I got to start in college an undrafted free agent trying to make rosters in the NFL so much of your time is hey I've got to be able to see this through what another guy's rep is looking like. I've got to get mental reps out there. I've got to train myself in the playbook, in the film room, so that when the opportunity's there, I'm locked in enough to be able to go and execute physically, even if I haven't gotten all of those same reps. So, yeah, you have to work that, especially if you're a guy that's trying to make use of limited opportunities to go out there and try and get results. I mean, that, that's the biggest challenge, right? You have to stay ready for something that may or may not happen, but when it does happen, you better be ready and you better execute because you might not get another chance. 100%. That's, that was always the idea is when you're on the field, you're afraid that you're never going to get back on if you go off. And when you're off the field, you're constantly sitting around chomping at the bit, trying to make sure, all right, I've been dialed in and ready to go when this finally comes, when this is finally my time. Goes back to, again, the other feather in Brock Purdy's cap is being ready when that happened. Yeah, he's got all these guys around him. And it's a healthy environment to grow up in, you know? He's been ready for everything. He's been able to play freely because he's got guys that are going to be able to bail him out in certain spots. But now you see the benefit of all that confidence. Look at the last two games. Down in the second half in a way the 49ers, as constructed, aren't supposed to be able to come back from right now. And the quarterback, who hadn't played well early in those games, says, all right, I can turn it on now and isn't afraid to thread the needle across the middle of the field, isn't afraid to throw back across his body to Kyle Juszczyk in the middle of the field. All of those things happen because you've got the right environment, but still got a guy who was ready for the moment and confident enough in himself. We are talking to Mike Golick Jr for a couple more moments. So you were DraftKings. Break this down for me. The number seems to have settled at two for several days right now. I mean, do you like Patrick and the value, or are you going to lean towards laying those points because of all that explosiveness and talent the 49ers have? You and I were talking before. I have picked against Patrick Mahomes <laughs> and these Chiefs in the last two rounds. I did it against the Bills, thinking I was the smart guy. This was finally their year. I did it against the Ravens, thinking this defense, Lamar Jackson's the MVP. I'm not picking against him a third time. Patrick Mahomes is getting points. I'm going to take him here. And I think there's a lot of football reasons outside of just that narrative. A lot of the matchup with the defense in the way that I think we're finally catching up to respecting from Kansas City. I think the way that they've adjusted their personnel in the postseason on offense, battening down the hatches a little bit, multiple tight end sets, allowing them to take 
maybe fewer risks down the field overall, but maximize those opportunities more in the way we've seen with Travis Kelsey, Marquez Valdez-Scantling with three of the biggest catches in the postseason the last two games. And so I think those against a 49ers defense that up front has had trouble stopping the run are enough for me to say, yeah, there's football on my side as well to make that pick. In fact, how big of an issue is that their run defense going into this game? Because that that has been an issue the last few games. Huge. And it's an area where really in the last couple of years, the Chiefs, their under center run game is something they've been more willing to lean into. That's a punch. And it's why now this Kansas City Chiefs team that's in dynasty territory, as we know, is starting to resemble the Brady Belichick Patriots because the hallmark of those teams was we can be whatever we need to be for the moment. And now this Kansas City Chiefs team that morphed from the greatest show on turf with Mahomes and Tyree Kill for so long is now with this ground and pound win with defense group that also still with two minutes left in the game will say, hey, Pat, you can go and throw it deep to ice this game because we also trust that portion too. So I think that run game is really going to be the difference for both teams. This could be a game where both sides decide we're going to try and hammer this ground game. Christian McCaffrey against the Chiefs defense that's also struggled with some of that up front. It's going to be good old-fashioned knockdown drag out football in a way that warms my offensive lineman heart. I love it. So really quickly, Thomas Dimitrov came on, and he's kind of an old-school guy. Love the guy. Love his basketball or his football mind. And he comes from the old school, though. And he said, initially, I just didn't understand the whole Taylor Swift thing. Like, distraction, distraction, <laughs> distraction. Dude, you're a younger guy, and it is what it is. Is this, I mean, does this bother you at all? Do you have any issue with it on any level? Oh, no, Jim, I'm a card-carrying Swifty, too. I went to three stops on the Eras Tour here. I was watching the Grammys last night where she set records. Now the uh, only artist in the history of the Grammys with four Album of the Year wins. So, no, to me, this has been a dream for the NFL. Oh, I know that's true, for sure. A dream for the NFL, but it's awesome. My whole thing has always been, I want more people around football who feel like they can be here. And a friend of mine, Nora Princiati, who does a great job writing for The Ringer and covering both the NFL and Taylor Swift there, said it, more people need to feel like they have a place in football that doesn't need to be so self-serious. It doesn't need to be so X's and O's. They don't need to be grinding tape. They can enjoy the parts that they want to enjoy, but still feel like they have a place at the table here. And I think that's something that this entire season has taught us. Hey, listen, one last thought. Andy Reid is the oldest of the old yeah. school. If he were to tell you honestly, what do you think that he thinks about the whole thing, or does he not care? I think Andy at this point doesn't care at all. He's been used to his quarterback being a massive star, his tight end and Travis Kelsey being a big personality. Yeah, but dude, as you know, she's a bigger star than any of them. 100%. The only people I think care, stadium security. All those people that now have a little bit of a different task on game day trying to smuggle her in and out of the stadium, they might care a little bit. Andy Reid's worried about what he's going to do with Nick Bosa and the rest of that 49ers defense. So last thought, what do you think he does? If they win this weekend, could you see him walking off and calling it a day at 65? Or could you flip that on his head and say, Man, why the hell would he leave? He's got Patrick Mahomes, who's 28. I, I could see Andy continuing to ride this thing until the wheels fall off. And it, it'll be interesting because for us all in sports talk, what an interesting debate. There is going to be a life with Patrick Mahomes without Andy Reid at some point, but they have a real chance to do some unprecedented stuff with the run they're on. I can't see him walking off the podium. Mike, unbelievable energy, tremendous content. Really appreciate you stopping by, man. You made it much better. Thank Thanks you very for much. Me, Jim. Appreciate really it. Really good to see you. Mike Golick Jr., I love that. Great content, great energy, and that picked us all up. I know it's good because even Dodger Jano, my wife, hit me up on a text in the middle of the interview and said, quote, I love this guy's energy. <laughs> so you got the go. Dodger Jano Let's support. Go. Let's go. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. For a 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. He is Mike Sando. Mike, how you doing, man? Good to see you. It's great to be here, Jim. Always love doing your show and love being here at another Super Bowl. No, I appreciate it. Great to have you here. Let me ask you, four years ago, the Niners and the Chiefs met in the Super Bowl. Go big picture. How different is this Kansas City team oh. from the one that beat the Niners in Miami? Unbelievable. They are one of the younger teams now. They've, they've got, I believe, seven or eight of their defensive starters were drafted since 2020. Uh, so they've pulled off what's very difficult in football. It's very hard to have the best quarterback pay him a ton of money and be good on defense. So to reinvent yourself with a young defense, that's the holy grail of football. Almost no one's been able to do that, especially teams with offensive coaches. Look at the Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy era, right? Great era, one ring. Look at Drew Brees with Sean Payton. Great era, some really bad defenses, one ring. Peyton Manning, even in Indy, they were great on offense. They couldn't get the defense right. So what they've done with Mahomes, I mean, it's unbelievable. You, you don't see it happen. All right, and, and part of that was moving Tyreek Hill to yeah. free up some of that money, and they have reinvented themselves. What about the flip side of that? Like, they've made, I mean, nobody gets it right every single time, but they've made mostly all the right moves. San Francisco has made some moves that could have been absolutely catastrophic yeah. and devastating, right? Yet yeah. here they are. It's really unbelievable. To Lay that out. Yeah. To really, the year that Mahomes went to Kansas City, remember, they took Solomon Thomas in the top three of the draft. So right there, that's a misstep that could really haunt your franchise for years. But because Kyle Shanahan is such a good uh, schemer and they've built up the weapons there, they were able to win with Jimmy G. Now you take a big swing at Trey Lance. Okay, well, this is going to be fatal. We gave up the farm, multiple ones. No one survives. Everyone in the league is whispering, these guys are going to be fired. These guys are going to be fired. Not fired. They reload with Brock Purdy. Again, you could say total luck. Hey, you hey, get my man, not fired is one thing. Yeah. Back in the Super Bowl yeah. is another, right? <laughs> yes. It's really unbelievable. And they do have a good team. It's just hard to miss that big, especially at the quarterback position, and live to not only tell about it, but to thrive with it. It's really remarkable. It's a testament to them. I mean, they've, they've put together a build that I would never recommend to anyone else. They did it. I think the Chiefs is more of a, okay, you can see what they did. It followed a natural progression. And it totally made sense. You should try that too, right? The 49ers, I don't think anybody could try that. They've done it. They get the credit for it. But it's kind of a one-off. Yeah, so what I'm hearing from you is they went about it in totally different ways, yet they end up in the same spot. Yeah. They're right back here. Yeah. Let me ask you about Kansas City's receivers. They took a lot of heat earlier yeah. this season, rightfully so. Mm -hmm. How do they look to you now? This whole team looks like a great championship boxer to me. If you go back and watch Muhammad Ali, he was fat in the tune-up fights. He was, came in at 228, 230, had a little dad bod roll on the side. But when he got in the ring with Frazier, when he got in the ring with Foreman, he looked 10 years younger than he was. He was ready to go. And I think for this Chiefs team that has been to the mountaintop, you can't fake the importance of the games. And I think they've dialed in. Now, some development, too. I think the young receiver, Rasheed Rice, has no doubt. That's part of his natural arc. But MVS, even Kelsey, these guys are dialed in like a championship fighter that gets up for the big fights, but you can't tell them it's a big fight when they're playing, when they're fighting some tune-up guy, you know, who's trying to make a name for so himself. So did we get the better part of 17 games of, like, the rope-a-dope? 
it was a little bit of a rope it up. I don't think it was intentional. You know, I think they were frustrated. I think Pat Mahomes was really wondering probably at some point, are we going to be able to pull this out? They convinced me that they weren't going to be able to pull out of it offensively. I mean, at, at a certain point, you go, you are what you are, right? Yeah, I, I didn't buy it. I gave up on them. I gave up <laughs> on them, and here they are. That, and and yeah. by the way, they know that we all gave up on them, yeah. right? You yeah. look at Patrick Mahomes. He is such a good dude. But underneath it all, even with that arm talent and what a good guy he is, man, never mistake this guy for not being the ruthless killer that he <laughs> is, right? He really, really is. I, I think he's... You know, a unique quarterback among championship quarterbacks, okay? We talk about they have a good defense now. They didn't always have that. Look at the great winning quarterbacks. Terry Bradshaw, Roger Staubach in the 70s. They had defenses that with their own names, Doomsday, all this type of stuff. You get, into the, you get into the 80s and you think Joe Montana, great offense. They led the league in the 80s in fewest points allowed. Okay. You get in the 90s, you got Aikman, you got Favre, you get Brady. They all had Hall of Fame defenses with guys that are wearing gold jackets. So for Mahomes to already have a couple rings in his back pocket on his finger without having defenses that were anything to write home about, now you give him that? I think it's shown what he's done now is different than what those other quarterbacks did early in their careers. And it's a credit to him. All right, so he's done all those things. It's a credit to him, yet... In the football 100, he's currently number 98, my guy. Oh, man. Why, so, why, why yeah. is he only 98, yeah. and are you going to move him up? Regardless yeah. of what happens this weekend, yeah. do you yeah. move him up based on the fact oh. that he's back here? Well, no doubt. So the football 100 book, the concept was really three years ago we were doing this, and we, we wrote a series of stories about all the guys. At that point, early on, I don't think we even had him in there in the first draft. We were like, <laughs> because he hadn't played. We're talking add two okay. more seasons with a Super Bowl win. Then we got to the point where they won the Super Bowl last year. We had to sort of write him into it. We said, okay, at this point, he's got to be in there. But it's weird when they haven't played that long. I mean, I think he's trending into the top ten here. At a certain point, when you check the box of did he play long enough, he wins this one. How would you leave him out? I was going to say, like, if you wrote the book today yeah, yeah. before this game, is he top ten? <sighs> a great question i mean i don't know if you go that high of guys with 15 years but the fact that you're able to ask the question and i'm not like oh come then, on then it's a fair this question is totally right? premature it means you got to think about it and he's 28 that's incredible then, then it's a fair question what about Tra <laughs> look at least he's on the list what about Tra travis kelsey yeah, should so, he should he have been on the list what yeah, was your thinking on that yeah i think he probably should now um so travis kelsey i've done a lot of study we talked about this on on our show when we were talking about tory holt and some of the great wide receivers so I found a way to look at the best eight seasons of every receiver in history's career, wide receivers, okay, and to evaluate their performance against their peers, all right? There's only one tight end in the history of the game that factors up there with wide receivers by his production, and that's Travis Kelsey. Now, we can argue that Gronk was a better blocker. We can talk about, you know, back in the day, Tony Gonzalez this or... You can go all the way back, but his production in receiving yardage is that of a good wide receiver, of a top wide receiver, of somebody that you might consider as being on the fringes of Hall of Fame wide receiver talk, huh. okay? You do that as a tight end. That's an amazing, that's an amazing thing you just said, right? Yeah, you're a one-off. He's a one-off. There's no one like him, so you can, you can talk about his blocking all you want. I don't care. He is, he is a unique receiver at that position, now totally in tune with a quarterback, like they were saying the other day, they don't, they don't even know what routes are running. It just makes sense. These are two basketball players. This is, you know, 
this is Magic it's, Johnson it's not even having to man. think it's about it. This is this playground, is, right? Yeah, exactly. Mike Sando joining us. Mike, I want to ask you something. What about the Ravens? Like, for much of the year, it looked like Lamar Jackson and the Ravens would be playing this game Sunday. He had an incredible year. He'll be the MVP. Yeah. But that loss to the Chiefs drops him to 2-4 and four in the playoffs. How do you explain that and what needs to change going forward? Well, I think, in general, their move to become a little bit more of a pass-oriented offense with three wide receivers was probably the smart thing to do. I think in the end, though, they got away a little bit from the Lamar-designed-run component. And I think, look, he's a fine pocket passer. He's not an elite pocket passer. He, he's not going to be in the will, top will five he quarterbacks. Ever, will he ever be if they uh, commit probably, to it Probably they do not. This? You know, probably not. But that doesn't mean he's not good at it. But what is the real secret weapon is the fact that from a designed-run, quarterback-run component, he scares you to death. So I bet you, like, if I could go back, if they could go back, do all the stuff you did with opening up the offense. You know, he did have a good season. He did make strides. He did improve. But I would have loved to have seen more of a quarterback run game plan when it mattered. Because I think some of the shift away from that was like, hey, long term, this is probably the best. He has to grow in this way. It's probably the best for him in a durability standpoint. Guys don't get necessarily hurt running the ball as quarterbacks, but they wear down. It's a cumulative effect. It's like taking punches, okay? So... The Chiefs didn't really have to worry about that. They had two designed runs, a few scrambles. Are you hamstringing what makes him truly special? Because otherwise, you might have a quarterback who's a good pocket passer, but not so good that you're going to beat Patrick Mahomes, right? See, I wonder what you do, because if they don't make that change in the short term, maybe we are talking about them right now. But to your point, in the long term, it's better for his longevity. They have a plan. They're trying to install their plan, develop the plan, and make it a long-term thing. But you know, historically, you study this, nothing's guaranteed. How do you know you're going to get back? Oh, I always feel when teams miss their best opportunities that, that it comes back to bite them. There's just team after team. I remember I was covering the 49ers when they lost that championship game at home to the Giants. They were the better team. Oh, they'll get back. Their window's open. Well, yeah, they got back with, like, a different coaching staff five, six years later. So it's a major missed opportunity. Look, look at the Seattle great team of 10 years ago, the second time to win it. Oh, they'll be back. They got Russell Wilson, this, these guys. No, Cam Chancellor's career ends, right? Now Russ is making money. Now the rise of another team in the NFC. All these things happen, like Buffalo. I was, Buffalo's okay. had their window. I was, I was going to wait for you to finish and say, what about Buffalo? Yeah. Has that window already slammed shut? No, because I think Josh Allen is there, and they were close to beating Kansas City this year. So, but they have a problem. What they have to do is what Kansas City did. They're highly leveraged with their contracts right now. They have to build a young defense from the ground up now, like Kansas City did, to be able to afford Josh Allen and to support him. That defense has gotten older. They're bringing back Von Miller most likely because they kind of need to. I was going yeah. to say, what's more painful? I'm sorry. What's more painful, bringing back Von Miller and Stephon Diggs or letting them go and having to deal with yeah. the cap consequences? And they're, they're deciding, well, it's probably worse to get rid of them because they're, they're kind of doubling down. They're, they're at that blackjack table over here, and they're like, they're kind of pot committed now, and they've realized they've got. And they're, know, not, and they're not what they were. They're not what they were. They, they realize that it's probably not best to uh, double down right here. You know, it's probably not by the book to double down, but God, we've already got a thousand bucks out here. <laughs> you know, let's just put another 300 on there or whatever. We'll chase it, and, you know, it's probably better than walking up and leaving from the table. All right, speaking of the book, we are in Vegas. What about this weekend? Obviously, you've thought about this. You know the yeah. matchups. Yeah. How do you see this one? What is your early lean? Do you have a prediction? Yeah, I've been going with the Chiefs and Mahomes all through the playoffs. I, I just have. I just, especially when you get points. 
The, this 49er team, I think only the 10th team since 2000 has been favored every game throughout a whole season counting playoffs. Uh, and so that's awesome. But I feel like the Chiefs are doing this and they're getting better and they're on point right now. I feel like the 49ers sort of had that and now they're not bad, but they've tripped a couple times. It's looked a little wobbly. Suddenly you're down a bunch of points in Detroit. You're, you didn't look good against Green Bay. Are they peaking right now? Uh, or, or surviving. Or, or holding on a little bit. So I'm not, no, no way am I betting against Mahomes. No way I take the Chiefs any day of the week. You give me points? You kidding me? I'll live with it. If it comes out the other way, I'll live with it. It's still a good decision. That seems to be the consensus early in the week. He's the co-author of the Football 100. He is a senior NFL writer for The Athletic, also a pro football Hall of Fame selector. Mike Sando in person. Mike, always appreciate you on the show, and especially here in person, man. Thank you so much for that. Hey, thank you. Tracy and Phoenix already knew where I was going to be. Tracy and Phoenix actually got here before I did, so we go to the phones. Trace, what's going on? I can see you. Be my reporter on location. What's it like on the strip right now, Trace? Well, Jim, it's a little bit wet. The water is about two inches deep right over here where I'm standing right about now. Thank God for this little bitty step. I'm so grateful they put a roof over your head and you don't have to go over there on that turf where there is no roof and they got umbrellas over those guys. Yeah, but they got the real star over there. Nate is over there. Nate's got an umbrella. Nate's doing his thing. <laughs> but no roof. Tommy goes, but no roof. So, Trace, what's your deal? Huh? How did you find me so quickly, and are you here all week for the game? Um, I'm going to be here for three days. I usually go to wherever the Super Bowl is. My husband works part-time for the halftime show, so I, uh, I can figure things out, babe. I got always. Choices. Always. All right. Listen, Trace, great to see you. I can see you right outside the set. Stay dry. You know I appreciate you always. Good to have you on.